You're listening to Talking Tunes and joining me. Whoa, whoa, hold up. What? That's playing a different song. <laughs> <laughs> Started you mean to go on. <laughs> Yo, you're listening to Talking Tunes, and joining me online today is Pluvio. Pluvio, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, enjoying uh, listening to some very interesting and very different music. A lot of this sort of stuff is not really stuff I would generally listen to myself. Yeah, I hear that a lot. <laughs> I do like it. I feel like all this sort of screechy sort of stuff it sort of reminds me of you know that sort of bro step sort of stuff you get in America oh no 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 <laughs> no well, okay let's get that out of the way straight off what's this first tune uh, this is Sepa Bio basically this is like the start of Slug Wife when they established the label Sepa and Cursor particularly have been pioneers of that Neurohop sound and Neurohop was really where my career started taking off really when I was producing under Raptus so hearing them come together to create a new label was just fascinating this track is just yeah epic really got such swag such groove such that cheeky melody as well that incredible hook love it And tell me as well about the label that you're in. Um, Symbiotic Records, which was established with Akov and Screamarts. It's pretty crazy how that came together, to be honest, because I've always been a fan of Akov's music. I was writing Neuro Breaks for the best part of a year and then through Bass Militia, actually. And James from Bass Militia suggested to get Alex onto a remix. And I wasn't really convinced that Alex was, or Alex Akov was going to go for it, but turns out he was proper keen. Then we got chatting about how there's like a lack of neuro breaks in the scene and how good it would be to have like a label to push it. And the rest is history, really. The genre name Neurobreaks, you told it to me, oh, probably, was it a year ago? You did a guest mix for us. Yeah. Um, and you said, oh, yeah, call it Neurobreaks. And I'm like, uh, okay, I call it Neurobreaks. Never heard of it before, but it does exactly sum up. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of sound, right? To me, Neuro is anything that's sort of like rough, rugged, lots of sort of, you know, bassy, weirdy noises and breaks speaks for itself, right? So, what would you describe Neurobreaks as? So, I guess it is, it's that staple neuro sort of neuro bass rather uh, modulation that's really what defines neuro i think and then yeah just like breaks it's that break beat sort of between 128 could go up to 145 but it's usually comfortable around like the 130 bpm region obviously if you have time that you'll have dubstep <laughs> but um yeah i guess that's what it is i think everyone has their own definitions of neuro breaks especially the spanish um, crew as well. They have tear out breaks over there and they've been sort of pushing ne neuro breaks for a long time. It just never really took off, I guess. And we're sort of going with a more modern neurofunk production style approach to it. So, yeah, I guess that's how I define neuro breaks, but it all depends on how other people define it as well. <laughs> so, would you say it relates at all the term neuro to drum and bass neuro? Because that would have been the first time I ever heard neuro as a genre. Yeah, absolutely. I think neurofunk, the genre, I don't think neuro breaks or the neuro sound came before that. I think people take that neuro 
sort of prefix from neurofunk and now you've got like neuro idm and you know all this sort of further experimental styles really like neuro dubstep i think you could just apply it to pretty much anything so long as it's got those crazy modulated sounds so to carry on a joke we had at the last podcast was someone should be making post neuro breaks right Post neuro breaks. Yeah, exactly. I bet nobody's doing that, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> give it a year. <laughs> give it a year, I suppose. It's still a quite a you quite a young scene, though, from what I can see, right? Because all these tracks yeah. you picked, you know, I'm not labeling them all neuro breaks, but all the tracks you've picked are all 2010 onwards, a lot of 2015, 2017 stuff like that. I mean, yeah, a lot of these tracks aren't neuro breaks. They're just sort of sounds that I like. Like this one particular is far from neuro breaks. This is of course. Yeah, Sorrow, Never Too Far, which is sort of like Neuro Garage, no, not Neuro Garage, just uh, Future Garage rather. And particularly this song is just really special to me because it's a track me and my partner just like sort of share a sentimental sort of value with because we went to go see Sorrow a couple of years ago. That was like our first sort of getaway together. It was lovely. I was sort of making this sort of music as Pluvio before I sort of went into neuro breaks. I was like a sort of chill producer. That's what Pluvio is intended for. <laughs> So yeah, Sorrow was the first act that me and my partner ever saw together. So like a couple of years ago, it's like our first getaway. So yeah, Sorrow's like holds quite a sentimental place in our hearts, really. So so that's all the soppy stuff out of the way. <laughs> but I had to throw it in there because yeah, it's just again a meaningful meaningful piece of music. I can fully relate to it. I mean, there's there's always. I mean, everybody everybody in their lives has that certain thing that just reminds them of a certain event or whatever for me you know it was a lot of party animals gabba dutch stuff man and there's lots yeah you know but anyway i'm not gonna go down that path anyway this that's we had that conversation before about like the shy horse and that sort of scene so <laughs> yeah oh man that's really getting back because i mean you're from penzance right yeah i was gonna avoid talking about penzance because it's been such a long time since i lived there um i really would start sounding like an old man talking <laughs> about the early 90s going off to phase two raves and and then and then you and then you start to be oh yeah my mum used to go to them and I'm like oh god I really feel old now. <laughs> That's it because my mum like I probably need to be careful about what I'm saying here but like it doesn't really matter because but we used to live in a squat for a short amount of time where some of the phase twos were held. I think she had like DJ producer and Scorpio playing a basement at one point but she'd be going off to uh, Shy Horse and stuff. So I guess that's where like my music career was forged really is like cast in the fire of Gabba. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts was that? Was that were those? Because the ones I went to were out in the field somewhere. Were those ones in Penzance or somewhere else in the squad? 
Yeah, so there was uh, a place called the Old Schoolhouse. It's now called Belitho House. So yeah, I'm probably like incriminating my mum here by talking about this. But um, I think it was only squatted for a short amount of time. Though. I think they only held like a couple of phase twos there. I mean, there must have been hundreds of parties back in those days. So oh, man, they were the days. They were the days, I tell you, I mean, there's nothing changes you from heavy metal to rave overnight, quite like going to your first rave. But... Going to your first Gabba rave for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look, we're going through the tunes. We're going to be through this in no time at all. We're on to Akov the Virus. Akov the Virus. Akov, yeah, I had to throw this in here because this was like me getting really excited that someone was pushing Neuro Breaks and Alex was the man. This tune is just absolutely menacing. And yeah, because it was so hard to find. When I found this tune to sort of start using in my sets, it was like one of very few. So it's really exciting that now, fast forward a couple of years, we've got like a huge back catalogue of Neuro Breaks. That's quite interesting as well that I'm working with Alex again because the first time me and Alex met was about a decade ago, playing for Chris Rich's Night Digital Minds. This is when Alex had just released um, his first EP on Eurofunk Grid, I think. And this is when I was DJing under Raptus. And it was quite funny because it was Friday the 13th and <laughs> his tractor controllers weren't syncing up. Like everything was going wrong. When I came to play and put my CDs in, they just weren't registering. This is when like, yeah, you know, you'd not take your USBs to fucking, to gigs. You take CDs or, or vinyl, you know? Um, and then I never saw him again. And then 10 years later, you know, he's fucking taken well off. I'm only just like getting myself back into the scene again after like taking a bit of a hiatus. And yeah, we're just all of a sudden creating a label for Neuro Breaks. It's, it's crazy how things like link back round again, but I couldn't be more stoked really. So yeah, absolutely had to put this track in. It's a fucking banger. more about symbiotic records then I mean, how did you get that started and, and what are your challenges there because i know it's, it's hard to attract people a lot of time isn't it with uh, with labels yeah i mean it got started again just because me and alex particularly shared that passion for neuro breaks and pushing it because we felt like it was quite a niche style not many people were doing it you had like the token tracks like joe ford did some really cool neuro break stuff culprit did uh was it phantom uh and ghost machine sort of neuro garagey stuff but there just didn't seem to be anyone doing a lot of it it was just like one track here and there so we kind of wanted to change that and that's where symbiotic was born alex is also really good friends with scream arts they live quite close together and they always wanted to start a label together so between the three of us we've kind of like yeah steered it into this direction and it's yeah it's going quite well so far but i guess it's, it's one of those things that's it's going to take a while to really start establishing a movement because it is such a niche style people get a little bit 
nervous i guess when trying to explore different genres because you know i think it works for alex and marv scream arts particularly because they've already got quite established names in drum and bass so they could deviate from that and people will still like hype on it but i guess with newer producers like exploring different genres might be difficult and we still find it quite tricky to get our stuff promoted through lots of channels because lots of promoters and blogs they don't want to take that risk of promoting anything that you know isn't going to be received by a wider audience so it's we're up against it but again we're really stoked with the reception so far i think there is a lot of thirst for new genres and people wanting to try something exciting and have a bit of a switch up so i guess it will just take a little a little bit of a while to to catch on but this track in particular this was like the first neuro breaks track that i ever heard and this is in yeah 2011 my friend james preen uh who dat we, we grew up DJing together. We were playing in the same clubs, part of the same crew. Uh, there's a club called the Clipper Bar, which is like, it's like a diluted black swan, like your hometown black swan. It was you get away with anything, dingy as you like. All of the fucking hardcore sort of music was played there. And he rinsed out a set of like what he would call a neuro breaks. So I was just like, dude, this is absolutely insane. And yeah, from then on, you know, I kind of took a shine to it, but no one ever played it. I never heard anyone play stuff like this ever again, really. So 10 years on <laughs> and now, you know, that's changing. So. So this tune, this is the Aeon Tribe tune, Warping. It's crazy, it's got like three different drops. I played it in my first proper official Neurobreak set. Yeah, it's just Aeon Tribe came from the sort of like Neurohop glitch hop scene. This is how I stumbled across them in, in the first place. If you hear this drop, it's mental. I think that's why I took such a side to this sort of music because it had all that sort of glitchy, ADHD, hecticness to it. Um, I think that's what really, yeah, sparked my interest. I mean, anything's got a lot going on, you know, and that's very much the sound I'm trying to push here on solid sound. And I can't stand boring music, you know, this is <laughs> boring, you know, it's got lots going on. Absolutely. Um, really cool, man. So you heard this like 10 years ago and then you're like, totally changed the musical path as it were? They did change my musical path back then. I just, I found it interesting, but I was heavy into Glitch Hop, Neuro Hop. That was like where my career was really sort of taking off. I was part of the UK Glitch Hop Collective, playing a lot of shows with, with Sepper, with Cursor. And yeah, that's kind of where I felt comfortable. And then Glitch Hop sort of died in the UK. And then I kind of felt lost after that. But like, obviously what I said earlier about how Sepper and Cursor went off to do Slugwife and they got really big in the States and I stopped making like Neurohop glitch up sort of stuff as it died in the UK and then I had like a bit of a hiatus from making music I started doing like crimp and squiffy bootlegs and started getting really into sort of like playing hard tech and gabba so that's kind of where I sort of reared off to 
But yeah, then I decided to just make chilled music as Pluvio, and then it was only until a couple of years ago when Bass Militia approached me to do a remix for Tio Tech, and he was fully aware that I was a chill producer at this point, and I was like, well, how could I do justice? Because Tio Tech makes muted bass. How am I going to make a chill track of a muted bass song? I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do like a Neuro Garage sort of flip. And then it turned into Neuro Breaks. And then I had so much fun making it. There was such a good reception to this track. And it really sort of rekindled my love for making like heavier Neuro sort of tracks. And I was like, do you know what? I'm actually going to make some more of this. Ended up writing a full Neuro Breaks EP for Bass Militia. And that's again, that's where ACOV got brought on board to do a a remix which took off quite well and then yeah that's how the neuro break redirection came really came about like a, a combination of acorn and bass militia and um, james hudat for pretty much doing the showing me neuro breaks in the first place all those years ago So yeah, this tune is by Nightpunk. It's a remix of Gentleman's Club. And I didn't even know that Nightpunk existed. I was always looking for neuro breaks, trying to find like producers who were making a lot of it. And it wasn't until like Tech showed me a Nightpunk tune and I was like, oh my God. And I didn't realize he's been making this sort of like high energy, well-produced, not all of it's neuro breaks, but a lot of it is. But yeah, I was just so stoked to hear someone putting such quality content out there and doing a lot of it so I had to chuck that in there because Nightpunk is now like one of my favourite producers and he got under my radar for so long despite me searching high and low for Neuro Breaks This one is called Trans Right Music by 399. It's sort of like got big beat flavors, but like really distorted, noisy, overcompressed, but in a good way. It's got that sort of punk vibe as well. I've only just discovered them. I discovered them through a Discord server because someone actually shared my mix I did for Southside Breaks and tagged me in it. And there's a big discussion about Euro Breaks and sort of the Breakbeat revival. And someone recommended checking out 399 as a duo, really, who are, have a potential for really kicking off the Big Beat sound again because they've got such a fresh uh, approach to it, much like Euro Breaks has. Like, it's really helping push Breakbeat and Big Beat as a whole, I guess. So I went and checked them out and I fell in love straight away. It's like nothing I'd ever heard. It's got like huge prodigy vibes, massive like punk rock vibes, just everything really that kind of I like in music. Nasty distortion, <laughs> screaming, <laughs> the lot. I love it. And it was, yeah, breakbeat. So yeah, really enjoy it. 
interesting you mentioned the Prodigy actually because I'm not entirely sure what it is they're doing these days. I really don't listen to any of their sort of stuff. Um, but the stuff I have heard, I would say, would be really fitting to hear. Would that be a correct assumption to make or a correct observation to make or sort of digital anarchy sort of, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just, they purely just for like the, the punk, breakbeat, big beat sort of crossover, I guess. I mean, I don't think they go as over the top as this, but you know, it's definitely synonymous with with prodigy sort of stuff. I'm sure you have to water it down and make it simple when you go for the mainstream, right? Yeah. Bang up and delete that out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely relentless, this last drop. <laughs> so one of the things I often talk to people about is, you know, the discovery of music and stuff like that. It sounds to me like you grew up listening to rave music. Yeah, metal and rave music. It was such a godly combo, really. Metal influence from my auntie, who um, she taught me to play guitar, actually from an early age. That was where my passion for music creativity came about was through my aunt. Because she's always been a huge inspiration to me as well because she was um, in a lot of successful bands. Um, seeing her in like Kerrang! magazine, Metal Hammer magazines that I grew up reading, like seeing my auntie in them was just like, it's incredible. She's toured the world, played at Hellfest, Download. It's absolutely, that, that just made me want to keep pushing, keep pushing and keep pushing, no matter how hard things got. Seeing how well she did, even in the face of adversity, you know, when things got, you know, really tough, she carried on persevering with the music, which is quite interesting. There's been like a full circle moment recently because she's gone to live in Australia and she's decided to start picking up producing. She's installed Ableton. I've been teaching her music lessons. <laughs> so teaching her how to use Ableton, which is quite interesting because she used to teach me how to play the guitar. And now we're starting to collaborate and write some tunes together, which is, you know, I'm really excited for. She's actually doing a drum cover at the moment um, of one of my tracks, Square Peg. So I'm really looking forward to when she finishes that video and posts that up because, yeah, it'll be our first proper sort of collaboration. Anyway, there's a bit of this track which I wanted to talk about, which is this it's Rezo uh, Axion, current sound remix. But it's just this switch up and it will spin most people out because it starts at 140 BPM, like dubstep tempo. But then it's gone, gone to 93 BPM and there hasn't been a real obvious tempo transition like it doesn't gradually get faster it doesn't gradually get slower and when i first heard it it just drove me mental i was like how is it doing this you know how is it changing tempo without changing tempo and i found out it's a technique called metric modulation where it kind of uses triplet polyrhythms i'm not going to go into like the nerdy details but no do okay <laughs> do i love the nerdy details yeah, so it's it's 4-4, four, four, but if you play like a triplet polyrhythm over the top, if you take everything away and just play that triplet polyrhythm, that has a tempo of 93 BPM. 
that's like kind of how they do the transition. So triplets divide, like, because it's all done in subdivisions. I think triplets divide into straight eighth notes at 93 BPM. I have to do like a whole bloody YouTube tutorial on it to actually explain it properly. <laughs> I want to love about that sort of stuff though and learning about that stuff because I love watching YouTube videos that explain all that sort of stuff. Because when you understand it, and that's one of the things I love about talking to you and I love talking to producers as well because they know how the mechanics of the music works, that you start to get an insight that as a, as a just an observer who doesn't understand you get insight into how music works. It's like, oh, right, yeah, you know, I absolutely love it. I could talk all day about it. Well, you, you're getting all the insights because how many of these you do, like talking to so many different producers from different genres with different, like, different approaches and insights. Yeah, it must be crazy, man. So this track is by COVID called Whoopi's Back in Habit. This is what rekindled my love for the neuro sound design. I was really into like dubstep, squelchy, wobbly sort of tracks before I heard this, but it's absolutely incredible, the sound design. What is also really cool about this track is that Max from Coven grew up in St. Ives, which as you probably know is quite close to Penzance. And he grew up and went to the same school as um, quite a few of my mates. Josh Squashbox, who I started writing music with, and Kieran Whitefield, who's now producing under Ansem, which is uh, just like a huge techno producer and they introduced me to max and it was it's just really inspiring to have someone from like from your home county doing massive things in in the music world you know he's he and um, katie have gone on to do some huge huge projects with coven and it's just been yeah massively inspiring to see their journey and it's great he's he's always stayed humble he's always stayed in touch and yeah we chat from time to time it's just generally a really lovely dude so always remember this track as being that sort of, yeah, like a, an introduction back into this sort of neuro sound design stuff. Yeah, I always love this where it's sort of painting a picture of a story or something, you know, and especially when I hear the sort of the sharper sounds makes me think of, you know, spaceships flying around and having a fight or something like that, you know?
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's they've always been really good at sort of uh, storytelling in their music. The songwriting is just absolutely incredible. And I guess that's where I feel lots of like neuro sort of stuff lacks a little bit because everyone wants to go not everyone but a lot of it wants to just be crazy for the sake of being crazy where they sort of neglect to make it like memorable piece of music if that makes sense it's just that people want it to be bangers but like COVID do a really good well used to do a really good job when they were writing this sort of stuff at encapsulating both but they moved on to doing like drum and bass sort of stuff now which again is the songwriting is fantastic but it's just less gnarly and aggressive as this sort of stuff was but this was when Max was just producing alone so started off as a solo producer and then formed the duo with Katie. I can't remember when though, like probably a couple of years after, maybe a year or two after this was released. Let's talk about gigs because we haven't touched on that topic at all. Because just this summer has gone. Um, you seem to be at a gig every other week. <laughs> yeah, it's gone from not gigging at all to gigging a hell of a lot. Like, and it's quite crazy because when I started Pluvio, it was really more of a dare I say philosophical. Um, or emotional transition. I, I wanted to stop gigging. <laughs> I wanted to stop going out so much and just darting around. I wanted to just create a career through the comfort of my own home, which is why I started making chill music. I wasn't really interested in doing gigs so much. I was quite content with just writing music at home and establishing a career through like doing, you know, sample packs and mastering. But again, when things started taking off with ACOV, like next thing you know, a UK tours around the corner. And I'm just like, well, this is kind of a huge opportunity. And I'll be really silly if I didn't take it. And honestly, it was when I started getting actually paid for my gigs. Like I've spent a long time just gigging for the fun and gigging because I have love for the scene. And um, eventually that sort of takes its toll, especially with all of the stuff that goes hand in hand with parties. That's why I kind of just want to take a step back. But like now I've kind of redefined what gigs are for me and sort of seeing that as like part of my income. I know that's like it's such like a small baby steps to capitalism, but like it kind of feels good as well because I feel like I can actually invest in these gigs more than I would. Like usually I'd just be getting pissed and just tired up, whatever, and just playing a half ass set. I see yeah, we had fun, but like I wasn't really getting paid and it just it wasn't really worth the reward at the end. But now it's just like, you know, I go to these gigs, I'm not drinking anymore. I can really, you know, get enveloped in it. And a lot of these gigs are in places that I've never played before. You know, I've never been abroad up until last year when I got booked to play in Spain. So I've always, always wanted an international gig. And so I'm like grateful that my first international experience was uh, being booked for a gig in Spain last year. So yeah, it's really helping me, I guess, explore 
explore, get new experiences rather than the same old, play the same old gigs, the same venues, you know. Um, yeah, it's a nice mix-up and I can kind of balance it now around my freelance career. So it's great. Exciting, exciting stuff. I really didn't want to talk through this one, <laughs> but it's all right. It's talking tunes. Um, this is, yeah, Beer Spirit Fox. It's a track that Gully T posted a uh, group called Get Your Fucking Tunes Out, which I'm sure you would have heard of. The best group out there for finding tunes. And I was just blown away by the the sound design. And it's, it's particularly because it's got like a really break breakbeat feel. It is dubstep, but it's got all these breaky rhythms in it, which I it just really, yeah, I took a big shine to it. Yeah, the sound design on it's crazy, really. Quite reminds me of either Fidget or Complexstro or, or something along those lines. Yeah, it does have like Complexstro qualities because there's just stuff happening all the time. It's complex, isn't it? It's hard to really define the genre because it's quite dubstepy, but not so much in terms of sound design, like the sort of obnoxious vowely basses or and it's not so like tear out aggressive either. It's got quite a lot of groove. Yeah, I really like that track. And then coming into a family favourite, Culprit. Yeah, Culprit. I mean, I wanted to get at least one each of the Holy Trinity, which is Rezo, Culprit and Karen Sound. Nightmares in reality. Like a fucked up dream. Nightmares in reality. I'm a boss boss hard till my chest breaks up. Let my lungs get wrecked with the taste of the puff trust. I blaze enough green with some real rough teams. Come to my neck of the woods, it's like a fuck dream. Nightmares in reality. And it's really sad to see most won't survive when I step into the baddest beat. And if you think that you're different, put your ear to the speakers and just listen. So I chose Nightmares in Reality because it is a callback to my Eurohop days as Raptus, where I used to just play Glitch Hop and Eurohop sets. And Nightmares in Reality was like a track that never left my sets. Like I always played this one, absolutely killer. Ha, that's the sound of the beast rolling down your street with a blunt and a fat sub. 
Not a sandwich, I'm talking about vibrations that will shake them till they can't stand up. Feel your knees. Everyone knows that Culprit is just such an incredibly versatile producer, really. And that's what I'm kind of aspiring to achieve with Pluvio, because I started out doing these experimental chill tracks. Now I'm doing Euro breaks, but I don't want to keep myself pigeonholed or defined. I really want to have that creative freedom to be able to put anything out, which is interesting because Pluvio is like Latin for rain. And the reason I called myself Pluvio in the first place is because I was making Future Garage. And Future Garage is quite synonymous with moody. Well, they use a lot of rain foley samples. But now like it's kind of good because it means I could be like fluid in my approach. So I've kind of like changed the definition of Pluvio now. It's not just rain, it's like the fluid, fluid approach to my creativity. I just sit in the back and you just carry on. Because uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you where did the name come from, so yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> so yeah, again, with Culprit, he's just a master of that. He could make any genre and it lands because it's Culprit, you know? it's He's always got his signature in there somewhere, so he could make really chilled ambient stuff IDM breakcore acid dubstep euro drum and bass the lot and it's hard to find a producer out there that can be as versatile as that and pull it off every damn time so yeah hats off to Culprit it might be a, a, do a little um, exclusive tease that I'm actually doing a remix for Culprit at the moment oh wow official official yeah oh, fair yeah, I'm really stoked about that. Maybe I should have said that, but... <laughs> That's fine, man. Exclusive, exclusive. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> like a fucked up dream. I was going to come back to a topic you were saying earlier on about, you know, capitalism or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you don't need to worry about that until you're suing Napster. <laughs> That'd be Spotify now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't need to worry about that until I start, like, selling my soul to Spotify or partnering with them in some sort of way. I remember South Park had a great joke about Metallica, who famously tried to sue Napster. And they said, oh, no, because of people downloading my music, I can only afford a gold-plated uh, poolside <laughs> bar rather than a solid gold poolside bar. <laughs> I think in the music game, you know, I think if you're ticking over and you can afford to put food on the table and a roof over your head, then uh, you're doing well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've never really seen it as a moneymaker, you know. And even now, like, I do make money from my gigs. I kind of use my music as a portfolio, really. Like, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to make this because I want it to, to sell well. I'm making it because I enjoy it and I like playing the music. But it also helps advertise me to, you know, uh, to like sample back companies. So working at the moment for Black Octopus, which is really good. Like, that's like, that's the work, really. That's where I can put my creativity and my music to to actually make me money as as a job and i can thank my music for that but then i don't have to like sell my music out i don't have to like make mainstream or quote unquote mainstream because i like mainstream stuff anyway but i don't have to like try and make myself uber popular to be able to kind of make ends meet with my music so i'm kind of happy it's like a happy medium you know i'm not going to be 
you're making big bucks and it's still like you know a bit of a stretch from from project to project you know you never know where the next job's going to come in but it's you know it's an experience and it's it keeps my passion for music burning so it hasn't become too much of an overwhelming job really it's it's a nice balance glazing over s Merck here get fucked up <laughs> two integral parts of Bristol's Slugwife and Devolution Sound and I love love s Merck because I've never I mean I like Jungle I appreciate Jungle more Jungle Breakcore but I've never heard this style of I guess it's Jungle I, I don't know what to call it but like they've just got some sort of formula like they've nailed the formula here and when I first heard their their all original mix on SoundCloud I was just blown away like such an incredible combination you know I'm um, hearing curses like explorations through jungle and that approach is just yeah it's mad so I got really addicted to this um, when I was working at a burrito bar called Habaneros I used to play it no matter what time of day it was just always play this through the mini rig getting customers coming in <laughs> absolutely like relentless I mean Monday morning is a perfect time for hefty tunes right wakes you up and gets you going for the week absolutely but now this, I used to like pack it down to it as well it just gave me the energy just to shut up shop and get the fuck home <laughs> love a bit of jungle break core I mean can't go wrong there we go I mean, you touched as well on the other point I've, I've made like a million times as well, that, you know, if you're looking to chase money with your art, then you just go mainstream, right? Um, whereas art is always something that you just have to do for yourself and you are the only person you're really trying to please. And if everybody else likes it, then that's us. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can get into music for the wrong intentions and, you know, some people just want to be famous. And I think that's where you can get music that's quite contrived. And it doesn't come across as authentic at all and people realise that. Yeah, you know, I think there are people far and few between, you know, people who have just stayed true to their art, never veered away from what they like doing and managed to make it a really successful career out of it. Tipper, Cohen Sounds, Culprit, Amon Tobin, you know, these people that are making sort of bizarre, interesting and uh, unique music. And it's gained quite, I wouldn't say like commercial acclaim, but you know, they're, they're up there, you know? Noisier as well. Noisier became like, for drum and bass, you know, they, everyone in the drum and bass community would love Noisier, not necessarily like Neurofunk, but Noisy were like up there. They always made really fucking crazy stuff, you know? But they, they managed to make make a pretty successful career out of it. And I think that's really admirable. 
And I think everyone would love to be able to do that, but I just don't think there's enough people willing to step outside their comfort zones, you know? I think there just has to be, there's an element of luck to it, I think, as well. You know, with what lands, everyone's battling with algorithms and, oh shit, I have to make TikTok now to stay relevant. It's it's mental. Everything's moving at such a fast pace in the music industry from going from sharing mixtapes or burning CDs to hand out to people to like MySpace, then Facebook and Instagram getting added, like everything just like everything new that you kind of got to keep up with social media. And then the algorithm that constantly changes, like you're not just a bloody producer anymore. And then you got a thousand odd followers on one platform and no, nobody uses that platform. And then you have to start rebuilding your audience on another platform. It's a yeah, never ending treadmill. You just got to keep at it, haven't you? Absolutely. Frequent and Hudson Lee, Daybird Collection. This is probably the most incredible drum and bass track I've ever heard. These two are just such incredible producers, so anything they put their hand to is just going to be absolutely insane. But this blew me away when I first heard it. I've chosen this particularly because Frequent is one of one of my favorite producers. But we sort of found ourselves in the same scene at like again, like a decade ago, was where things started really brewing for my music career and Frequent and I were part of the same sort of music community. Um, I had a label called The Glitch Shop, which was a Glitch Shop label and um, released a couple of Frequent tracks on there. And back then his music was just ahead of the curve. And then seeing again, seeing his journey through music production and, and where, he's, where he's come from and where he's got to is just insane. So yeah, I just had to get one of his tracks in there. I say it's all gone quiet now, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's it. I think we talked through the best part, the best parts of it. <laughs> it's, I think it's like a really long drawn out outro, but yeah, it's just the fast paced, ever evolving, crazy switch ups, really intricate because they've got a very IDM approach to their music. And I don't think you hear that a lot of drum and bass. Um, you've either got like sort of breakcore influences, um, Everything's quite solid and groovy with like sometimes getting like quite hectic stuff, but nothing that's really like as complex as this, I don't think. Like there's so much going on. It's, it is really, really quite something else. And the other thing I like doing with this as well is playing the full tune, because I do this with every talking tune, so I play the, unless I'm cutting it down because it's way too long, is play the full tune, because the intros and the outros, you very rarely get to listen to them, unless you're listening to an album, because especially with DJ mixes, DJ mixes, they pick the best two minutes of a song and then move on to the next thing. And you know, sometimes you listen to the full song, you're like, oh wow, there's this whole extra bit that I didn't realise was there, it's, you know? Well, that's it, that's where songwriting comes into it, and I think, you know, we, when we were talking about COVID's music is there are a lot of producers out there that really 
you know, put a lot of emphasis into their songwriting and Frequent and Hudson Lee are, are definitely among those people. And then you get people that just, you know, it's more drop focused because it's going to be played in a played in a set. So they don't put as much focus onto their intros. And I'm definitely one of those people like I've I think I lose a lot of um, creative energy when I make my tracks and then by the time like I've got to make an intro I'm like uh I'm flagging I just want to finish it and get it out but since working with Akov and Scream Arts like one of the like main criteria for Symbiotic is like this, the intro needs to be as good as the drop so it's kind of forced me to to put more attention into my intros so intro needs to be 16 bars of some hook be a vocal or a sample or something like that so that when i'm djing it onto from another track i can start hooking in the next track so that's when i need 16 bars of that then i need 16 bars of basically a cut down version of the track do you know what i mean lay it down a little bit so that i can cut across to that as a dj and then I'm gonna let that play out, first drop, and then bam, off you go, right? Let's just do like a whole set of intros. <laughs> yeah, right, I've seen the DJ before that did a whole DJ set that was just the drop. <laughs> just, just the drop, just one drop into another drop into another drop. Like, oh, I could do it, it would be relentless. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next tune. So this is Echo, Crafted in Ice. Talking about IDM, like these two, they were a duo, they've disbanded now, which is such a shame, but they bought the most interesting, unique styles of music I've ever heard. Like, it really is like a fusion of every kind of style of music in one. And you'll be hard pressed to find anyone that comes close to this sort of stuff ever again. Just this alone, like it's it's just epic. Yeah, I and mean, there's lots to enjoy in this, like the, the sort of, what you call it, choral vocal, um, and, and the, the, the real staccato sort of jungly breaks there, but it's like just the highs of that, yeah. Yeah, there's like the Avon break in there, the neuro basses, but, but it's really orchestral, epic, melodic, but it doesn't have any particular formula. It doesn't follow any set of conventional rules of a dance floor track or, you know, it just, is its own piece of music in its own right. I don't think it, this stuff is intended to be mixed into and out of. It's listening to music. Which is what I love about it, because it's still got a lot of incredible energy, which you, you can imagine hearing in a club and on a dance floor and just going absolutely nuts to it. But you can enjoy it from the comfort of your own home. You know, I love Echo for that reason, and partly because Harvey, again, is someone that, you know, I've been in the same scene as, and we've, you know, he also helped me get back into producing again. So when I had a little bit of a hiatus and I came back to it, I wanted to just get some refresher lessons. And a lot of the stuff that we spoke about was like more mindset and philosophical based, you know, sessions based on music, which I think is quite overlooked. I think when people think about getting music lessons, it's all about like, how do I make this bass or how do I get my drum sound in front? And not many people talk about like, how do I enhance my workflow? How do I get out of creative ruts? How do I get out of like, you know, imposter syndrome? I have such gratitude for being able to sit down and talk to him about this because he really helped me navigate some of these tricky hangups and reservations I had about getting back into producing again because I went from feeling like I was doing quite well as Raptus 
and then when I stopped, I kind of just lost my way a bit, and I was I just felt a bit nervous about like establishing a new project again. It's the mojo, you know, when you lose your mojo, it's it's hard to get it back. You can't just click your fingers and do it again, you know. Yeah, it was like that. So he really did. He helped get me back on on the horse, really. And so yeah, big ups to to Harvey, who's now producing under Tutara Peak. So I'd definitely go check him out as well. But yeah, Eccle, absolutely incredible. And the thing with imposter syndrome, you probably confirm this, right? Is we are all imposters, just we just don't admit it, right? Yeah. <laughs> as long as nobody finds out, we're all okay. Everyone sus. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do talking tunes without talking about some fucking metal. <laughs> so um, I decided, again, because this is like predominantly electronica focused, so I wanted to find like a hybrid track. Every talking tune has got some metal on it somewhere. Lovely. Yeah, I listened through. I know uh, John Sample Junkie had some metal in there. Pretty sure Jack Pelican did as well. But this is um, Mr. Bill remix of Veil of Maya. And it's called Discography because he's just mashed together five or six different Veil of Maya tracks. And there's like about three time signature changes and like double that amount of BPM changes. And it's just incredible. Like I've always, always wanted to hear more electronica, metal, crossovers, hybrids. And it's, I think it's a really difficult thing to achieve. So I don't think many people do it. But this just, yeah, does it for me. Absolutely crazy, breakcore, metal, love it. Go talk about what you were saying earlier about doing gigs sober or, you know, maybe out of a drink or two, but pretty much you remember what happened the night before, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a very different aspect because you you know you see a lot of stuff, you remember a lot of stuff, and you must have a few stories. Like I mean, like when you got the planes to Spain, how did you feel? We could go back and talk about the fact that I was, and this is part of the reason why I stopped gigging and stopped making music in general is because I was an alcoholic, and I think there was a lot of stigma around sort of accepting that. And there was a lot of shame that come with that, especially sort of being open about that to to people who I thought might... There's no judgment. Mate. Yeah, yeah, sort of judge me. I mean, it's a slippery slope, right? Because nobody, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, do you know what, I think I'm going to become an alcoholic. You have a drink and then before you know it, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I guess, because I had, I, you know, I had a, a professional image to uphold as well. You would wonder if people want to work with you or book you if they, they know that you're an alcoholic or a recovered alcoholic, you know? So yeah, part of my transition, you know, from like not making tunes, taking a step back was my journey through um, recovering from alcohol dependency. And that's why I made Pluvio as well, is because that's this like me 
rekindling my love for music as a recovered alcoholic and leaving that part of me behind because with my Raptors project, a lot of messy experiences came from that. A lot of just not turning up to sets or being too drunk to play properly. So starting again gigging and just taking it more seriously and professionally is definitely, well, not professionally, you know. <laughs> taking it seriously and shenanigans, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more controlled. But yeah, some, some great experiences gigging, some not so great experiences gigging. Like when I played at Tel Aviv, like the whole gig, the whole experience, the vibe was amazing. Loved the people, loved the energy there. It wasn't the gig, it was the traveling back because I had a connecting flight. My flight was an hour late leaving from Tel Aviv to get to my connecting flight in Turkey. By the time I got there, like my phone had died. Loads of stuff just went wrong and I missed my last flight and I couldn't contact anyone. I had no money to get a new ticket. <laughs> and I was getting sent back from both the airlines saying it wasn't their problem. And I was just like, oh my fucking God, I'm going to be stuck. I eventually started, I managed to get it sorted out, but it was, it was a pretty stressful situation. That was my, my first adverse traveling experience. But I I know for a fact if I was still drinking at this point in time, I would have just got way too drunk. I just thought, fuck this, you know, I was just going to get pissed. So it's good that I had some sort of like degree of um, functionality to be able to handle it. Because <laughs> that's quite a scary thing, you know, being stuck in an airport. Oh, God, yeah. Especially in like... A country where you don't speak the language, your phone's dead, you maybe don't have the money. How'd you get out of that one? Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, like, I think it wasn't even that my phone was dead. It was just like, wasn't taking charge. Like, much. But yeah, managed to get something sorted at the end. Thanks to my grand. <laughs> Swooped in to save the day. This track is by Current Sound, Gemini, Culprit, and Acer, Beyond the Shadows. I wanted to end on this one because, again, it's quite a sentimental track. Um, and it's also Current Sound. I wanted to get them in there again. Because, again, Culprit and Current Sound, when I got into dubstep, really, it was their names were like at the top of sort of doing this more gnarly approach to dubstep, not the deeper dubstep, you know? And then again, I kind of followed them really in my musical journey, kind of whatever they started doing, like when Cohen Style started doing like Neurohop, um, I started doing Neurohop and, you know, I've kind of always not really modeled my music on them, but because I draw such heavy inspiration from them, that's kind of how I followed them. I discovered this track with my best friend, Josh Squashbox, who I spoke about earlier. And we, 
it's the part of the Movember series. So they do a track like this, a huge collaboration, which was done. They do in the Red Bull Studios every year. And um, I never really got into like chilled music so much um, until this track, which I listened to with Josh. Yeah, we just got a playlist together of all these nice chill tunes. And we used to call it the Bliss playlist, where we just kick, kick back and just chill, listen to these tunes. And um, a few years ago, like, he was like my partner in crime, really, when it comes to like producing. We we're both into the same scene. Uh, we booked Rezo for one of our gigs in uh, Cornwall, which is just an epic experience. And then he died a few years ago. So this song, you know, I always come back to it and listen to it and just you know it's just such a fond memory of him and you know how much of an inspiration he was to my production and my journey really we had like a a friendly competitiveness about our production we always wanted to push each other to do well wanted to outdo each other but wanted each other to do well you know so it was that healthy com competition really and you know it's just just nice to reflect back on this track and, and reflect on on him really so i wanted to do a massive shout out to squash box to end this with and yeah again love for current sound and culprit absolutely sorry to hear of your loss Oh, it's all good <laughs> I guess it, it just happens it's all it's part of life really isn't it um, and I guess it's the scene that we're in as well you know um, lots of unfortunate early passings yeah people passing before their time unfortunate yeah yeah We did want to end on a, a sour note. That was meant to be sort of a, like a positive. <laughs> you have to tell me a joke. Tell me a joke. Tell me, we've got like two minutes left. Come up with a joke, right? Let's try and come up with a joke. It's always impossible to come up with a joke on the spot. So I was saying to you earlier about losing your mojo. It's hard to just go, okay, just start being creative again. It's the same with telling a joke. Come up with a joke. It's like, oh, I can't think of any jokes. But I remember in drama class, like whenever we had to do something serious, everyone made like well me particularly we used to just dick around and make something really funny and then the moment they were like okay now we're doing a comedy bit and i just i'm just like how the fuck you know i i can't be funny on purpose you know so yeah you can't be put on the spot that sort of thing and i think all my go-to jokes are either like really bad dad jokes oh i was gonna say not fit for radio not not fit for radio yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, my favourite go-to joke at the moment is, did you know that pigeons die after having sex? <laughs> I've never heard that joke. Just tell me afterwards. I won't finish the punchline. <laughs> I think that wrapped it up quite nicely, yeah. Yeah, it wrapped it up nicely, man. It was a pleasure talking to you, mate. Well, it's a pleasure to be on board. Thanks for having me, dude. It's been, yeah, it's been really nice to chat with you and talk about some tunes that I really love. <laughs> Stuff. All right, well. All right. Speak to you soon. Cheers, All right, man. take it easy, man. Thank you. Bye.